Well, God is good all the time. Let's, let's, uh, let's talk to each other a little bit. I say, God is good. You say? Amen. Ushers, ushers. <laughs> God is good? All the time. One more time. God is good? All the time? And that's a good way to start 2009. It's important to be reminded that God is good all the time, especially when uh, years like 2008 roll along. 2008, in human terms, was not a good year for us. Death, cancer, job losses, emotional distress. It was a tough year. And in the midst of all, though, we profess that God is good. My problems are not His fault. So we say. It's not that we're lying. It's just that our faith can waver in a tough spot. And for all practical purposes, we say with our bitter spirits that not, God is not good all the time after all. But He is. And we know it. And we just need to be reminded of that from time to time. And that's what God's Word is going to do this morning. It's going to remind us that God is good all the time. Psalm 119, verses 65 to 72 is our text. We're going to read this text, then we'll look at the structure of this magnificent psalm and offer a little more literal translation that will show God's goodness a little bit better than the ESV does the ESV that we use on Sunday mornings, marvelous translation that it is. So Psalm 119, verses uh, 65 to 72. If you would, please stand and we will read God's Word together. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now... I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precept. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we <laughs> ask that this last statement be true of us, that the law of your mouth is better to us than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Help us, Father, to find where true value lies. And it's not in this world. It's it's in, it's in you, it's in eternity, it's in your word that draws us to you. And we pray that that would be the case also this morning, that we would be drawn, our hearts would be drawn to you. And that we would find true and great treasure. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you and be seated. Well, as you know, I am sure, uh, Psalm 119 is all about God's Word. All but three verses in, out of 176 verses 
talk about God's Word in some way or another. Statutes, law, commandments, your ways. There are 22 sections in this psalm. One for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Each section has eight verses. And all of those eight verses begin with the letter that represents that particular section. It, it, it's like the psalmist is extolling the wonders of God's Word from A to Z, we would say. And our section this morning contains eight verses beginning with the Hebrew letter Teth, or Tate, as some actually say. Five of the verses begin with the Hebrew word Tav, which simply means good. So five of these verses begin with the word good. All of the verses begin with the letter Teth. But five of them are Tav, have the word Tav, and it means good. To help you see that better, let's uh, look at a more literal translation of the psalm. It's a, it's a bit awkward, but I think it'll help you see the emphasis that God puts in this section of Psalm 119. Good you did, O Lord, to your servant according to your word. Good discernment and knowledge teach me because I believe in your commands. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Good you are, and you do only good. Teach me your decrees. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I with all my heart watch your precepts. Callous and unfeeling are their hearts. I delight in your instruction. Good for me it was that I was afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Good for me the instruction of your mouth more than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Sort of sounds like the Yoda translation, doesn't it? Good it is, the word for me. I was given this translation by my friend Jimmy, and I think he may have gotten it from James Montgomery Boyce, but uh, it, it certainly captures the emphasis that God is putting in this particular place. i got to say that not, not only some of you, most of you are not in the place you normally are, and so that's really throwing me off this morning. I mean, you're, you're all over the place this morning. I mean, when David and Trula Gray sit right there, the Lord's coming back this week. I know it. I know it's the case. And then there are good friends from afar that uh, have joined us this morning. It's good to see all of you. Well, the psalmist is convinced, is he not? It's pretty clear to see that the psalmist is, is convinced that God is good and that it communicates his goodness through his word. Well, that's the primary way we understand God, isn't it? And we learn about God is through his word. Now, these are not random thoughts about God's goodness. You might think that if you just look at it and you just read through there, you say, oh, okay, he's just saying, he's articulating many different ways in which God is good. But no, there's a, there's a logical flow, there's a process that he's wanting us to see, a theme that he has in mind. Do you see a theme in this section, a theme that is besides God is good all the time? Well, here's a hint. It has to do with the role that trials play in our lives in bringing us to the understanding of God's goodness. 
Now, we're going to use our literal translation as we look at this psalm. Let's just take it as we find it, step by step, just as it was written, beginning with verse 65. Good you did, O Lord, to your servant according to your word. Now, if that's all that we were to read, we would accept that as a principle that is true, that God's goodness is communicated to us through his word. But the writer knew where he was heading when he wrote this. He knew that he was going to be talking about the trials that God had brought into his life. Would you agree that God's word is designed for our benefit? I think all of us would. If you agree with that, does the time that you spend in the word reflect your profession of belief? Sometimes difficulties drive us to the word. Now, sometimes they drive us away for a while. But the writer is saying that anything, anything that drives me to God's word is a good thing. And it's good that God allowed this to happen so that I might come to his word. Verse 66. Good discernment and knowledge teach me because I believe in your commands. Now this is an interesting thing here. Discernment and knowledge come to a knowledge of God, knowledge of, of life comes to us through the Word. If we have a high view of Scripture, if we believe that this is indeed God's Word. If we come here saying, oh, you know, some of this you can trust, some of it you can, it's kind of, some of it's not true, some of it is, and and whatever's true to me. You know, if you come like that, you're going to find pretty much what you want to find in this book. But you're not going to find what God's telling you. And look, when we are in trouble, we need to hear from God. We don't need to be just confirming our own thoughts about the situation. We need to hear from God. Good discernment and knowledge teach me because I believe in your commands. Do you believe? Do you believe that God will meet you here? Do you believe this is where you find the Lord? If so, He will teach you what you need to know in a time of pain. Verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Has that ever been true in your life? I mean, you lost your focus. You got away from God, but a trial came along and it caused you to turn your eyes back to where they belong. And now, in fact, not only do you do you seek to hear from God through His Word, but you find yourself obeying His Word because you've come to realize that He knows best. Well, that's part of what the psalmist is saying here, but he's, he's not saying it in exactly the way that you may think that He is. He, he wasn't saying, before God punished me, I lived like a pagan, but now I've got my act together. He's, he's saying a lot more than that. Maybe a fuller explanation of this literal translation would go something like this. 
Before a great trial came into my life, I had a tendency to rely on my own wisdom, on my own discernment. I called the shots as far as I was able in this life. Then something came along that was beyond my pay grade. I, I thought I knew how to deal with certain things. Whatever, whatever came along, whatever, bring it on, I can handle it. But then God brought something that was absolutely beyond my ability to manage, to control. You better believe that I turned to God in repentance, confessing my sin of relying on human wisdom and failing to trust in Him. Now, I obey God's Word, following as far as I am able what He commands me to do. Because I recognize that His wisdom far exceeds my own. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. The writer was saying something like that. Close contact with and observance of or obedience to Scripture led him to a conclusion about God. Verse 68. Good you are, and you do only good. Teach me your decrees. You don't get to this place by accident. You don't wake up one morning after your heart has been broken in two and just say, God, you are so good. You get here because God draws you to this place. And because you respond to the Spirit's gentle call to trust Him no matter what. The Spirit deals with us differently than our parents do sometimes. You know, you better do what's right. You better, you better. And the Spirit's just gently calling, saying, just trust. Just trust your Father. Trust your Heavenly Father. No matter what. He knows best. And He's doing this because He loves you. You know, as I said earlier, um, there's a tendency when trials come to drive us actually away from the Word, away from God, say, yeah, I've tried that, it's just not working. If you belong to Him, you're only going to run so far. And the longer you stay away, <clears throat> the more difficult your life will become. Far better to submit to the Lord and say, Okay, God, I trust you. It's, it, I give you my life. And time in the Word expedites this process for us. Because it causes us to focus on God and not on ourselves and not on our problems and not on our own sorrows. And believe you me, we're going to do that because we're human. Not only that, we're given permission to today by Oprah and everybody else. Feel sorry for ourselves. You deserve to wallow a little bit. And so we do. Look at the last part of verse 68. Teach me your decrees. Now, man, think about what's 
being said here. Not only do I affirm and acclaim and proclaim God's goodness in all things, but I take the focus away from me and say, tell me about yourself. I mean, most of us, when we're going through a difficult time, that's most of what we think about. And the first opportunity we get, we tell somebody about it. We talk about how difficult it is. Guilty as charged. I am. David said, God, tell me about you. I'm sorry, we don't know that it was David. In fact, I tend to think it was Ezra, as I'll point out in a minute, who wrote this psalm. And, and, And he's saying, tell me about you. In the midst of all of this junk going on in my life, I I just want to know more about you. Wow, that we could have that spirit. Well, let's look at verses 69 and 70 together. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I with all my heart watch your precepts. Callous and unfeeling are their hearts. I delight in your instruction. Now we are seeing what the affliction was. The writer was being attacked verbally, possibly politically. As I mentioned just now and I've mentioned before, I think Ezra wrote this psalm. We don't know who wrote it for sure. Uh, It fits his personality perfectly. And if indeed that's the case, Ezra you know, came from captivity and tried to reestablish God's word as the law for the nation of Israel. Of course, they were captive and had to pay taxes and follow the rules of, of the empire. But nonetheless, he was saying, but Israel, we have to follow God. We have to follow God, not just man. And his enemies would have not liked that at all. They would have attacked him. You would expect that to discourage him. And I'm sure it did for a time, but once he turned to God's Word, he did so with all his heart, and he found joy. He said, your instructions are my delight. We tend to think of of God's Word as a straitjacket, you know, that just sucks the pleasure out of life, drains us dry, and just you just bow your head and say, okay, well, I'll do it. Because I got no choice. Look at me. I'm right here in this straitjacket. It's not that. It's rather a delight to those who trust God. It's a source of light, of life, and joy. And so now in verse 71, the writer states with a grateful heart what he has learned. Good for me. It was that I was afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. You ever said that? I I think most of us have. At some point we've said, okay. I didn't like it when I was going through it, but it, it really made a difference in my life. It was good for me. It's caused me to see things in a different light. It's caused me to have greater understanding, more compassion for others, whatever. Good for me it was that I was afflicted. Here's the real value of affliction, so that I might learn your decrees. So, God knows better than we do. But sometimes, 
we don't learn that or we don't start living like that is true until we have gone through the deep waters and we look back. You can't, it's just extremely difficult to tell what God is trying to do in your heart and mind sometimes when you're in pain. Because just like in the hospital, when you're in big pain, that's the number one priority is pain management. People do that for us and we do it for ourselves when we're in pain. We try to manage the pain. But when you look back, you can say, okay, I understand. God did this for a reason. And, and it's drawn me closer to Him. And I recognize that in His Word, I find Him. And when I find Him, I found everything that I need. When we put our trust in God's Word and ultimately in God, we begin to adopt a, a different value system than the one that the world clings to. And our hearts belong to Him and our whole perspective changes. Verse 72. Good for me, the instruction of your mouth, more than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. I know that you want to say something like this to your spouse every day. I just love the words that come out of your mouth. Your instruction for me. No, I'm just kidding. And that's the deal, isn't it? No matter how much faith and trust we put in any one individual, sooner or later, they disappoint us. God never does. Because He's good all the time. Well, let's take a few moments, a few minutes before we come to the Lord's table today. And I don't want this to be uncomfortable for you. It's just, we're just going to be quiet for a few minutes. That's something most Americans are not comfortable with, for goodness sakes. I live alone and I have noise going most of the time. I like some kind of noise going on, even if it's just white noise, you know, at night. But we're going to be quiet. And I want you to thank God for his wisdom. Thank him even if you are in the middle of the greatest trial of your life. Affliction is a profound teacher. And even if you don't see that right now because of the pain, there is great value in thanking God for who he is and what he's doing in your life. I know that your pain may have been caused by sin and I'm not saying thank God for the sinful way that you've been treated or things have happened that's not what I'm saying but thank him for loving you and being with you even in the middle of your great trial you may need to take a moment and confess your disappointment with the Lord or your frustration with him your unbelief or even your anger anger that's just come as a result of your trial maybe you just want to read the the um, the list. Can you put that back up, Joe, if you don't mind? Just read through this psalm. Read through the psalm and, and just pray this to the Lord. We don't hardly ever have an invitation. If you want to come up here and pray, you're welcome to. If you want to just spend some time 
alone. Do what the Lord leads you to do in this few, these few moments, if you would. And then we'll move toward communion.